This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome everybody to the show. It is show number 83 and this is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. And before we get into the show, uh, because uh, a little personal thing for me, just wanted to uh, send a note out to Mrs. Goff on Rugby uh, and thank her for 20 wonderful years. As this show comes out, it will have been 20 years since we got married. So uh, thank you for her because it was all her idea to start with that I get into this to begin with. Uh, but we are we have a great show because we're talking some stuff about the Super League and there's all kinds of crazy things going on with the Super League. We have Pat Clifton here who's been spending his time at the Olympic Training Center with the U.S. Sevens team. And we have Bruce McLean all the way in New York. And we also have Greg Rocca from the Super League to talk us through some of the issues. So, uh, Pat, first of all, how's it going with the at the OTC? Uh, it's all good. It was, uh, it was a good couple of days. Um... A couple of injuries, and uh, one I'm sure we're going to talk about um, with Blaine Scully being down for the next nine to twelve months. But uh, outside of that one uh, down thing, the the spirits are really up, and the guys seem really amped, uh, like playing in the new system, and and they seem reinvigorated. So um, outside of uh, of Blaine's uh, misfortune, everybody seems uh, good, and it's uh, a quality setup. Well, that's good. And uh, and and Bruce, how's your Achilles for that matter? Well, my Achilles is doing great, but that's because I'm relatively sedentary in my lifestyle. However, uh, I think this is going to be one of our good shows because I, one of our highest rated shows was the Greg Rocca show last time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. And uh, we are going to welcome uh, Greg Rocca with the Rugby Super League. Also, of course, uh, heavily involved with uh, San Francisco Golden Gate. But we're talking about league-wide stuff here. And Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Nice to be back. Well, we, we appreciate you taking the time. And re- really, the number one uh, issue that's facing the league or, or faced the league the last couple of weeks is the Utah Warriors. Utah Warriors were uh, have been pulled out of the league essentially at the last minute. Um, you're probably uh, – I, I would imagine you're going to explain to me that it's not really at the last minute. But walk us through that a little bit. Tell us exactly what happened with Utah. Yeah, it really, it's not at the last minute, and it's an unfortunate story. Uh, and, um, you know, Utah had been having some problems. Um, uh, I mean, you know, some of it goes all the way back to uh, August. And um, uh, <clears throat> we were trying to, as a league, give them some slack, uh, not get too involved in their day-to-day running of their program. That's not what the managers are there for. But... Uh, we were aware that they were having at least some issues, some cash flow issues, uh, back as far as August. Uh, and then as the season approached, um, you know, there were some disturbing things that were getting passed around, and there were some people that were with the Utah team who we believed were in the know and ended up were very much in the know and said they were having um, cash problems and issues. And they also were now miss, starting to miss deadlines, uh, and obligations that they had to the Super League. So um, we tried to get ahead of this a little bit, um, and again, trying to respect what we were being told, at least officially, by Utah, and, um, you know, got some resistance initially. I think they were probably embarrassed at um, what was happening, 
And, um, uh, you know, it ended up that unfortunately uh, our suspicions were right. Uh, we never like to, you know, to lose a team in the league. It's not good for the league. Obviously, it's not good for the team. Uh, here, unfortunately, I think the guys that are going to lose the most will be the Utah players. Um, I think uh, they might have been the ones to find out about this, you know, later than everybody else. And, um, uh, you know, there's still some hard feelings, which are unfortunate. Sometimes when tough decisions are made, there are some hard feelings. Um, but uh, we um, we just don't believe, and, again, from some information that we received from uh, some people that uh, we believe are in, are in the know at Utah, uh, that they just were not going to be able to perform this season, um, especially, you know, financially making the trips and, and doing that sort of thing. And um, so, uh, you know, we tried to, we offered help. That that wasn't, that plea was, that, that offer wasn't accepted. Um, it, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure we could have helped, but at least we could have tried, maybe worked some things out. Uh, you know, in the long run, I don't know if that would have been the case. And then when we set some deadlines, because we didn't get any, uh, decent responses, uh, and these were all deadlines set after, you know, I mean, these were emergency deadlines. These were, you know, Hey, okay, guys, this is your last shot. They'd already blown through, uh, other deadlines for roster submissions and that sort of thing. I know that rugby magazine put out <clears throat> that it was, um, you know, nobody was sipped and that's something that anybody can go onto the USA rugby website and figure out. Um, and it's true that they weren't, but uh, they were supposed to submit a roster to the Super League, and when you submit that roster to the Super League, you're supposed to be sipped at that point, and that deadline was March 1st. So, you know, giving them um, until last week to do it, um, you know, again, we were trying to say, hey, look, guys, you got to do the minimum things here to participate in the 2012 season, and they were not able to perform. So that gave us that unfortunate you know, decision to make, and we had to do what we thought was in the best interest of the league. Greg, is there anything that is there anything that could be done? I'm not saying to salvage Utah. I know that uh, Blake Burdett had had offered to try to rectify the situation as best as best he could. I don't I don't know if there's anything he could really do. I know that they his his team, the University of Utah, honored the game with Denver, which Denver won, and then. You know, is there anything or any other teams that would consider it? I know there was some scuttlebutt around our league emails involving let's try to do a national schedule, which turned out to be a little bit unattainable only because everybody's booked their flights already. Is there anything going on? Like, I mean, Cal Berkeley doesn't have a place to play, really, or a champion. Sorry, not a place to play, but a championship to play for. Is there a way that that can, you know, that somebody can work something out with them possibly, even if it's just a, a one-year stopgap for them? Um, I think it's unlikely. Uh, we explored some uh, possibilities. Uh, we're not finished. Uh, we're, I mean, obviously we're at the, you know, 11th hour, and I don't know if we're at the 59th minute, but we're getting close. Um, and um, uh, we are trying to see if there's anything else that can – will possibly be put together, but right now, uh, in deference to uh, people who still have to make decisions out there, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to uh, disclose what some of those discussions are. 
Greg, well, that, I, I get that you don't want to talk about the, the possible teams that you may be discussing um, for a replacement with uh, a replacement for Utah. But what about if you can't find a team? What's what's the, what's the the next? If we can't you know, find a team, we'll play the schedule uh, as it sits. It's going to be an unbalanced schedule. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate, but uh, that happens in all sorts of leagues, and um, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be obviously room for. Um, some teams to fill in. There may be an opportunity. I mean, that, that won't, they won't be official games, obviously. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, we'll play the West. Um, and, um, uh, you know, the winner will go and participate in uh, the, the top two teams will participate in the semifinals. And the top two teams from the East will participate in the semifinals and go from there. I don't think there's going to be much we can do about that. Greg, do you feel, looking back at it now, was it a mistake to to listen to Sean Whalen and the and the Utah Warriors when they wanted to come in a, a club that was sight unseen? Um, well, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, Alex, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, I, the answer to that I think is yes, but I don't think that the Greg, I, I got dis- Greg, I got to disagree. I well, would completely disagree with you. First off, I don't think it was a mistake. Like it might have been a mistake to listen. Let, let to me listen let me, to so the let person. me finish Bruce for a second here. I, I think I'm going to go exactly where you're going. I think the mistake was that perhaps um, the uh, you know that we got an individual who wasn't a rugby guy, maybe didn't understand some stuff, and was having some other issues and and financial difficulties that. Maybe we should have known about. Maybe we shouldn't have. Um, you know, that's that's something that everybody can they can critique the Super League about due diligence or not. Uh, but I think that the concept of Utah and what was put forward was fine. Uh, I think the problem was that um, not everything that they represented was true. I mean, I think if we had um, an investor who was uh, capable of bringing them, you know, of, of staying with them and doing the things that um, uh, that Mr. Whalen had talked about, um, well, hey, I think it would have been a fine idea. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we were very concerned about making sure that they had the right caliber of players. We looked, I think, Bruce, we might have run some of that stuff by you. We went to our longtime guys and said, hey, Here's a roster that they're proposing. What do they look like? We talked with guys that we respected in Utah, guys like Blake Burdett, uh, Smith, other guys like that who'd been in there in the in the, the hopper for years, and everything looked very good. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, there was you know non-performance uh, on the administrative part. It came out strong. I mean, you know, hey, <laughs> you guys at Rugby Magazine uh, were. Uh, I mean, you know, pushed the new professional rugby team. And yeah, we were on, we were on board, absolutely. And yeah. um, you know, it's, it's something we all wanted to see. I think it's a, I think it is a good thing. Uh, I think you know, maybe it just wasn't quite in the right hands to start with. Wait, you know, I what? think you're I, right, Greg. I'm, I'm sorry, Bruce. You you go ahead. I, I look at it and I say there were a lot of exciting things around it. In that BYU was one of the top. Four team, top two or four teams in the country, essentially. Utah is one of the top two or four teams in the country, essentially. So they had a feeder system from college. Their high school area is extremely strong. 
So you knew that they were going to have a player pool that was going to be very sound and very exciting and, and, and very capable as those teams are, are very capable college teams. And, and you know that they would translate well into uh, Super League players. So that was exciting. They they did, you know, they weren't able to get the Rio Tinto as, as, as they had thought of initially, but they had gotten a decent field and, and they had a decent venue going. And they, I think that where it broke down was that it was billed as a professional team, which maybe to some extent it was, <clears throat> but an, in, in doing those professional or city-based teams that everybody forgets that there's so much work that gets done in a club for free because people care about the club. And that work wasn't getting done. On top of the fact that there were some other issues going on, you know, personal issues that had zero to do with rugby. And it just, you know, those kind of things can overwhelm you and say, I got to take care of this, this, and this, and then I got to get a roster and do a ref report and get and and sip these guys and find the playing events. Like, what the heck is it? Just it just gets to be too much. And I think that that's the strength of the club, where the clubs have people that people things that people really care about and care about through generations. Absolutely, and I think that's a, a lot point, of times Bruce. money can't buy that. But it was a very exciting time, and anybody. It was exciting, and, and they did compete reasonably well their first year. I think they had a good first season. You know, uh, they got their stuff done that first season, so they knew what needed to get done. I mean, there was, uh, you know, it wasn't like uh, there was some disconnect there. Um, but now, what you say may very well be true. Again, um, I think that happens in the first. Like everybody's up for the first, and and a lot of teams have entered the Super League and strong in the first season and and you know then maybe then then it the rea- a harsh reality starts to hit and then a harsh reality you know and then sometimes you, you're either going to be able to fight your way through it or you're not and that that really is dependent upon the club and i think that you know maybe we were naive in in that it wasn't a club but we felt that there was so much of a need for a club there because so many of those players from BYU, Utah, Highland, and United stay in Utah, that they would there's, there's still a need. That, it's there, been a learning experience, Bruce. Mind. No question. It, the and I think and I think the the other good thing about it is that I think for you know it's been a learning experience for the Super League. I think it's probably been a learning experience for Utah rugby too. Uh, and just my my impression is. Um, I mean, even though this has been, uh, you know, disappointing in many ways and, and a sad state for the players, one thing I do know is that, you know, in in trying to see if we can make this work, I have talked to some really good people in Utah, and uh, there are some great rugby people there. I think, you know, they can step back, regroup, and, uh, you know, whether it's 2013 or sometime shortly thereafter, I don't see a reason why they can't have a team again if they if they you know kind of get back, look at some of the learn from some of the mistakes that were made, and you know get the commitment of whatever it's going to take in that area, whether it's you know various businesses creating a club. Um, I mean, it's it's true that um, the you know the 2011 and 2012 version of the Utah club. Um, 
you know, they did try to slam some things together. There was the attempt with Highland that didn't work. Um, but again, I, I think when we look at that, you know, there is a common thread through that, and it, that's just something that was unfortunate. With so so. One thing, Greg, is that it, uh, technically, are the Utah Warriors still a member of the Super League? They're just taking those possibly the season off? Well, they're not in good standing. Right. Uh, they're not going to be participating in 2012. Uh, they, uh, you know, it, it, it looks like they may have a want to go through a grievance procedure, and we're prepared to uh, honor that, um, you know, under our uh, memorandum of understanding and our guidelines, uh, and we'll see. But um, I, you know, what's their grievance that, been... that that one person sipped and is is really twenty five? I'm not quite sure what. They... I, I don't understand. I don't understand the grievance. I I don't get it, Alex. I agree with you, but you know we've got to be. Uh, it it has not, nothing has been put forth as far as what the basis of the grievance is. All we know at this point is that they've you know we're we're we're, tr- we're in the process of that now, and so it's it's really. I should probably let that go, and, and as it proceeds, you know, we'll see what happens. It would be nice to spend energy there, you know, fixing the obvious problems at hand instead of worrying about proving I'm wrong, who's right, whatever. Well, talking about uh, hindsight and and looking back on it personally, uh, there, there are certain red flags that ar- arose with me when I had conversations with various people connected with U- Utah Warriors. Um, the the problem with those red flags is those red flags rise when I talk to other people who are within American rugby and everything works out fine. So, uh, you know, you only think about those red flags when things go wrong. Um, however, if if uh, the Super League opened their door a little bit too quickly for the Utah Warriors, can we look at a couple of other examples when? The hinges on that door have been pretty rusty and stiff. Um, I'm thinking back in around 2000, uh, 2001 uh, with the, the Austin Blacks who um, felt at, at the time quite heavily aggrieved that they were not um, accepted into the Super League. And correct me if, I, if, they, if they didn't apply. I thought they did apply, but you know, little things people say. I, and, I know that they were interested. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going back a long time. Sure. Uh, and I know that the Austin Blacks, I'm sure that there are some hard feelings there today. Um, I, but I, I think the one thing the Austin Blacks didn't understand and that one thing that was that we were using a lot more back in those days and had developed were the Powerball ratings. Uh, we went through and, I mean, there was a lot of discussion um, about, you know, whether, you know, how well did they do. And Austin never quite got to that final level, you know. They never really did. I mean, Nyack did. Um, True, uh, and, you know, and my uh, other example Boston. would be Glendale, which is a little bit uh, more recent. Uh, and Glendale's more recent, and I, Glendale was, um, um, I think, a different situation. Uh, you know, Glendale was invited this year, and um, you know, uh, they felt, uh, I think, slighted from the previous year, and that's uh, not an unreasonable position for them, but. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what goes on. I mean, uh, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to um, to offend people by trying to take, you know, saying yes or no to them. Uh, believe me, it would be uh, wonderful. And, and the Super League has, I mean, Bruce has been around for a while. I've been around since day one. 
Uh, there have been discussions, you know, from we should have 18 teams. Uh, no, we should only have eight or ten teams because the quality of the teams and the number of players really only lend itself to having eight or ten truly good teams. Uh, and these are guys that have been around rugby for a long time. Uh, Mel Smith with Life was one of those guys. Uh, Jim Perkins with Onback was one of those guys. So we're talking about some guys who have a lot of experience, a lot of a lot of years in in the rugby community. And you know, but then again, we have a lot of other good rugby guys that said, "Hey, no, 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 we got to make it 18." You know, and I and, and the enthusiasm and the and the um, the energy that's been put into this has been significant over the years. You know, not everybody disagree, not everybody agrees on everything, and uh, you know, that's part of being a healthy organization. And um, you know, we're you know, you never like to have tell somebody no. Uh, nobody wants to hear no. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes no is taken very personally, uh, but it certainly isn't intended that way. It's an honest uh, effort and an honest evaluation. And, uh, you know, do we get it wrong sometimes? Sure we do. I mean, you can go back in history and say, you know, that we made a mistake. We we should have asked one team or we shouldn't have asked another or whatever. Uh, but overall, I think, uh, you know, we've gotten it uh, close to right. And, you know, also inside of this, you have to look at, hey, what teams can and want to as well? You know, some teams are very good on paper. They might be pretty good out on the field on any given day. But when you take into a lot of other considerations, um, you know, they, they would struggle uh, in the Super League. And, uh, I mean, the Super League's tough. It, it, believe me, it's not, uh, it, you know, <laughs> we don't have all the answers. Uh, it's not a um, – it's, it's far uh, from perfect – um, and, and I'm sure you'll get plenty of comments on that. But, you know, it's, it, the Super League, it's um, to be a little uh, quaint and, and try perhaps it's, you know, <laughs> the United States, uh, it's the worst country in the world except for all the others. Well, the Super League, it's the worst comp- competition for high-level rugby in the United States except for all the others. Right. You know, I, I just don't know that there's anything else out there that serves the same purpose and um, – uh, you know, I, I wish that there was more money. I wish we had more sponsorship. Uh, different clubs are trying to, um, you know, in their own ways, deal with that sort of thing. And some are getting there. I mean, I think there has been some progress with some of the clubs. Um, and it takes a while to figure that out. Um, hey, you don't have to, Greg, shoulder the uh, responsibility of defending the decision to you know, keep Glendale out because, you know, I'm not exactly sure where the San Francisco Golden Gates vote landed on that. Um, but it was a split decision, right? It wasn't unanimous. Uh, we talked about a, that. It was a split decision. It was a very, you know, it was a, and it was a active. It was a, there was a lot of discussion. Right. So, I, though I will say, I wonder if that, uh, you know, knowing what uh, the Super League knows now that Glendale a year later probably wouldn't be interested if they would have, if they would have voted the same way with that same kind of information, because my guess would be no. But anyways, with the Utah Warriors thing, and I, and I, I was one of the people that, uh, you know, would I talked to Sean Whalen quite a bit, and um, when he called me, I would listen, and I would listen to what he had to say, and I would put out his press releases and all those sorts of things. And what I, at the end of the day, was I, I don't want people to look at um, the Warriors, what had happened as a failure of two different things. One was it truly a failure? Because you got a really good team, really good athletes out playing the game again and playing the game in a high-level environment. You had, you know, Mike Palafau talked about how the Warriors experience reinvigorated his zest to play rugby and made it fun again. Um, It brought Matt Bird back to playing at a high level. It brought several guys in Utah to playing at a high level that 
we hadn't seen before. Great I'd never seen to Utah, John Law. Right. I'd never seen Kite Afiaki play before, but uh, that kid is a stud. I've seen lots of other guys are, I think, other examples on Utah Warriors. I think it showed what Utah really has and what it could have. And I think eventually that could result, like you're saying, into a, a reincarnation of the Warriors or something else. Um, so I, I don't know that it was necessarily a failure. The failure would be that um, it, it didn't it didn't make it into year two and that it lasted so long before getting the idea of getting killed to where there wasn't enough prep time for the Super League to do something else. If, if, you, if you guys had found out in August or decided in August that the Warriors weren't going to be a part of it, I think that uh, it wouldn't be a sour. But the fact that it happened so late, um, well, obviously that left you guys with that, not and a lot we, of time. And, you know, again, in trying to work and, and you know, we – I mean, we were, there was a request made. We wanted to work with one of our partners. We said yes. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe being cooperative and working at that time, you know, in hindsight, well, it's easy to say now, but I still think, hey, uh, you know, given the opportunity to work with somebody uh, when representations are made, you assume good faith. Um, I, I'm not, Greg. I don't want it to come across. I'm not knocking the Super League for the. No, no, I, and I get that. I mean, I'm just saying, and it's the way that it's the way the decision was made. I mean, you know, it's um, in retrospect, sure, easy to say it wasn't a good decision. Uh, you know, however, having said that, uh, if if I came across the situation uh, similarly, I might be a little bit more guarded. But I don't know that I would uh, not want to try to help a team in need. I mean, we we've we did do that with Old Puget Sound several years ago. Uh, they were struggling. It was a little bit different issue, uh, but the league made some exceptions for them. Uh, it took them a while to get on their feet, but, I mean, uh, you know, uh, everything that I see today and people that play Old Puget Sound, uh, the guys they have, you know, running the show up there, Evan and Tim, uh, I mean, hey, there's a success story, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, I mean, they've, they've got – they do have what – you guys were talking about. I mean, Old Puget has a long and very rich tradition. Um, but, you know, they were struggling for a while. And um, uh, they got a little bit of help. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that the Super League uh, made Old Puget happen again. Old Puget made Old Puget happen again. But, I mean, we, you know, the idea is if there's a little bit that we can do, if there's something we can help out with, we want to try to do that. It's, it is, a, you know, it's a collaborative, cooperative situation. And and that's the thing that's really sad about losing the Warriors is that, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a single team or rep in the Super League that is going to feel good about losing them. I mean, uh, for most of the reasons that you said. You know, you, you you look at, I mean, another example, and he didn't even play Super League rugby for them, but uh, Utah Warriors also played sevens in the summer after that. And uh, does Maka Anufe make the national team if he doesn't get a chance to play high-level club sevens in the summer from from high school all the way to the national team in just a few months? That kind of thing. That's why we were so enthusiastic. And that's that, that's what Bruce was saying what, about why be enthusiastic about something like the Utah Warriors because of that talent base that doesn't necessarily leave the state and you want to build them up and you want to give them an opportunity to play. And, and, you know, as much as I like the Provo Steelers, that's just one club in Division One plays a short season. We needed something else. And so it's a, it's a great shame they're not there. Yeah, I, I also say that the, the idea agree. of the Utah Warriors, I, I, I hope the idea of trying to professionalize the game or, or trying to 
monetize the game in some way or get some kickback from the game, I think it's something that shouldn't be lost. Or or the willingness for the Super League, I hope it doesn't go into conservative mode and say, well, it worked, you know, we tried to do it once, it didn't work, and now we're going to go back and now you've got to be a, an entrenched club to try to do this again. I hope that the door is still open and the minds are still open because reality is, I mean, there are a lot of places that have failed trying to sell cheeseburgers, but there are a lot of places that um, have been successful trying to sell cheeseburgers. And it's not necessarily the fact that you're trying to sell cheeseburgers that's the problem or the solution. It's who's selling it and who's running it. So I, I think at the end of the day, the 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 failure of the or the relative failure of the Utah Warriors wasn't the product. It wasn't the team. It wasn't the players. It wasn't anything other than the guy that was running it and and the way it was run. Well, I got to say one thing. If they were selling cheeseburgers to this panel, it'd be doing all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> this panel, this, you know, there ain't no Weight Watchers on this one. <laughs> Put me down for uh, 10 or 11. Uh, uh, um, we're, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, touch on a slightly different subject. Before we go, just uh, uh, I had a conversation with somebody today about uh, – and this follows on what, what – uh, Bruce was saying earlier, uh, somebody who had an idea for a, a rugby tournament, and he sent me a proposal for it. And my response to it was, looks lovely, but you say nothing about any of the boring stuff. You don't say anything about how you procure refs. You don't say anything about your field. You don't say anything about medical. You don't say anything about porta potties. And that's the kind of stuff that when you're getting ready to go to a tournament or you're getting ready to, to make sure a club is on the field – that's the boring stuff that you need to take care of, uh, and it's always true that you need somebody and the many, many, many people who do that kind of you know, crappy work for their club uh, should be committed. We will be right back on Rugged Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots. Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hi, this is Lucas Vaistroki from the University of Florida. Come see the Sharp Teeth Gator Rugby at the USA 7th Collegiate Rugby Championship. It's June 2nd and 3rd in PPL Park in Philadelphia. Go to USA7thCRC.com. Hope to see you there. And we're back here on Rugby Matrix America with Greg Rock from the Rugby Super League. And Bruce, I know you had a question about the the scheduling, which is something that's come up. Oh, it just seems like just about every year. Yeah, well, it has come up every year because the, there there's been little to no communication between the uh, the national office and the CEO and director of rugby and the Super League, and everything seems to be, you know, it's kind of a mystery. And then we pry it out of them when the schedule is for the national team, and then we work around it. The Super League is playing there, well, as, as it stands now, which I think should change pretty immediately, like this week. Um, Super League's playing their semifinal on June 2nd, which is fine, but then we're going to play the final on June 16th, and that kind of, that's during a test week, or, or test day in Glendale, and I would suggest and I, and I think Mike Tolkien sent an email out to the league uh, at least to the coaches of the league um, asking that the semifinal get played on Memorial Day weekend May 26th and that the final get played on June 2nd and I know that personally I know that of course AC Boston Old Blue and Life 
are on board. If San Francisco Golden Gate would go along, we could actually f- rectify that entire situation on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, Bruce, you're catching me a little. I, I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, while I certainly have um, some input with Golden Gate, uh, we're, we do have a committee. Uh, I know that uh, we're aware of all that. Uh, and let me say, and I'm, I know I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not trying to dodge your question here at all. I'll get back to it. But uh, you mentioned Mike Tolkien, and uh, boy, isn't that one of the greatest things that's happened in U.S. rugby uh, in recent years, uh, bringing Mike on as the head coach. I think that's fantastic. And I think Mike's, uh, one of the first things that Mike did was reach out to the Super League. Uh, so here's somebody at USA Rugby officially doing that, um, and I, I applaud him. Uh, I know my feeling is if there's any way that we can help Mike out, um, I think, you know, it, it's my opinion that we should do so. Um, I know that there's, you know, there are a lot of things going on. I'm not part of the nuts and bolts that are out there working on the, um, uh, you know, what's going to be done with the semifinal and the finals. But I do know that uh, it's uh, it's being considered and that there's been some talk about it. And I would say that there's um, – you know, that, that it's uh, it's far from a done deal at this point. Um, I do know that the Eastern coaches, Marty Veal, James Isaacson, and Mike Diamantopoulos and myself are in favor of it. And now that Utah's out of the league, we don't need to have a 6-4 win. We really only need to have a 5-4 win. And we can have, uh, <laughs> you know, we could, we, could ask, we could ask Greg Rocco from San Francisco Golden Gate whether or not they would be able to uh, make that vote and then fix the whole thing on the show right now. Well, I can tell you that our coach uh, is certainly uh, very concerned about uh, the conflict. Um, It's something that, like I said earlier, I think we want to work on. It would be very nice to get the change. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the the problem is you mentioned, Bruce, the same thing happened this year uh, in that we tried to get – um, date set and not worrying too much about U.S. rugby because we couldn't we couldn't get information out of them. Then of course as soon as Mike comes in, he approaches us, and so we know that going forward, at least for the next few years, uh, we'll be able to deal with this ahead of time. And hopefully, this will be the last year that we really have this problem. I have a lot more confidence in uh, Mike's ability to communicate with us and, and you know to want to do that. So. You know, hopefully we work it out this year and we can come up with something. I, I got to believe that we can. There's enough buys. Uh, I think the competitions committee is looking at that right now. And, um, you know, it's um, – Well, the the idea partly is that uh, the USA international schedule is going to be formalized a little bit better. Uh, they've, they've worked with the IRB to a certain extent and said this is, this is uh, USA's test window in June. So there won't be these, these things thrown in there in May, things like that. It'll be three games in June. It'll always be three games in June for at least the next few years. And, and that, that the problem you've been running into is these, these things have been cobbled together at different times and nobody ever tells you. And, and, and like you said, uh, or you you alluded to both of you alluded to that um, there hasn't been communication from the national team coach to the Super League, and um, here we now have a Super League produced national team head coach who knows everybody's phone number and is uh, quite happy to call and hash some things out. And I think is uh, you know very well respected in the Super League, uh, and, and as and known as a you know as a straightforward communicator, uh, makes a huge difference. I mean, it's, you know, you got to have somebody that you can rely on, and 
I, I, I know I feel great about Tolkien being that guy. I, I got, I got a, you know, one of the things even, even this year, is before Mike got hired, the, the, um, it was understood that the first test was going to be on June sixteenth, and, and then I, I just called Hodges out of the blue and asked him, where is the test on June sixteenth? Is that a good day? He goes, oh, we're starting on the ninth. You would think that they just would, like, you would think that someone would have called us, and that that's not how we found out that we were playing on the ninth. And then, and and I think that that's where it almost came to a head. That after five years of saying, yeah, we'll never take a player in June, we'll never take a player before the first week of June. That it, I mean, I remember the promise. I was sitting in the room when I heard it, and, and I, I heard it too. Yeah, and I and I remember being skeptical then. And 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 now with Mike being coach, I'm not skeptical because at least we'll know the schedule. So yeah, going. I'm sorry. That was just uh, freaking <laughs> ranting. Yeah, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating because we really did try to work with these guys. And and again, I, I understood that there's you know uh, uh, the pecking order. But again, in the United States, uh, you know, I'm not. I I mean, we we've got to support the Eagles. We want to see the Eagles do well, but. You know, it's incumbent for the Eagles to work with us, too. And I think that, you know, the disappointing thing in years past is that not much of that has gone on. Uh, you know, there's been some lip service paid and the like. But, I mean, we have a guy now who he came – one of the first things he did is he came screaming out of the blocks and saying, hey, I'm, I want to look at the Super League guys and, and make that a crucial part of my, of my selection process. I mean, you know, uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, and, and maybe I'm giving Tolks too much credit, uh, but I mean, it, it didn't happen before, you know. So, no, it, you you were you were looked down upon, and and I can say that perhaps more easily than you guys, but you you were certainly looked down upon by people who said, "My job is just the national team. I don't care what happens to you." And the thing is, that the the repeated story, the, the repeated message I got from the Super League was, "Just tell us." Just tell us when you're playing, and then we can change things, or we can do. And 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 you are willing to change. And I guess if I'm going to segue to another topic, some of the things that USA the USA Super League does right, you have really actually bent over backwards in a lot of ways to try to accommodate the U.S. national team, even when you didn't really have to. And um, you're working on some other stuff uh, that we really don't talk about that much. Uh, one of the things that that I've written about a little bit. Um, is venues and and we've gone from seeing games that are just played in parks somewhere with 15 people standing there with their hands in their pockets watching the game to places where people buy tickets to go see the game at at at, at Golden Gate or Denver Barbarians and what they're working on um, you know some Gold nice venues it where too. it's yeah it's it's pleasant it's pleasant to go see the game. You maybe have a place to sit and still have a decent sight line, or you're you know you're buying a ticket. There's decent concessions. The field is nice. You don't have to police it beforehand, looking for hypodermic needles, things like that. Uh, you know, th those things are all getting better. Well, it's good somebody notices. Thanks, Alex. I, I and I and I think that you know there's 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 a lot of good things that have that have come out of of what the Super League's doing, and and venues are are. Are part of it. I also think that um, training facilities for rugby practice and also for players to get to get fit and conditioned 
you know, very seldom, even 10 years ago or 11 years ago when, when uh, we started in, in the league and I first started coaching in it, it was almost nobody had a gym that they could call their own. Almost everybody had a pretty dodgy and lousy practice facility. You know, once in a while you get a good one and then you'd lose it. And now pretty much everybody has a very nice practice facility. Everyone essentially has an indoor facility when needed. And most everybody has, if not a free gym membership, a gym membership with a relatively decent deal. I think that most of the Super League teams have a relationship with high schools, colleges, as as coaches or administrators or even benefactors to some extent. And And some of the teams have youth programs that are you know, like Golden Gate, where they have a full youth program that's their own, or like what Old Blue and the AC do through Play Rugby USA, and 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 some other clubs do through through other other youth programs. So I think that that's a lot of some really good stuff. There, we're web streaming games, although, but you know, week one first time of live web streams probably wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't the greatest quality of stuff, but it was done. The technologically it was done. It happened. You could see the game. You could see it live. And that's been that's been fantastic. And that's only going to get better as the camera, the cameraman gets better. And maybe they add a little bit of an announcer into it and make it a little bit more interesting. So those are some good things. And then a lot of people talk about sponsorship and all that stuff with the Super League. Oh, you need to get sponsors. Well, one of the reasons that people sponsor, so say for instance, a company has, they make 10% profit. So if they're going to give you a million dollars, you're going to need to generate for them $10 million for them to break even. That's very difficult for something like us to do. So let's just take out the million dollar ones. So let's say there's 10 teams in the league, which there were in the beginning. And if everybody was, if we were going to get a sponsorship of $100,000 for the front of our jersey, say the, the crest on, you know, the, the, the front of our jersey. The problem with selling that is that there are certain clubs who get the front of their jerseys from local sponsors for 20 grand. So they're not going to be willing to give up the front of their jersey for 10 grand. And some guys can get the back of their jerseys for X amount. So everybody has their own little kind of local thing going on. And that's why it makes it a little bit difficult to sponsor the league in that sense. And the only thing you know, unless we really price it out and say, and we haven't necessarily done this. So yes. And also every, like we were talking about how difficult it is to run a club in and of itself between all that kind of thing and the, and the travel and the, and the rest of the nonsense that goes along with it, that a lot of times that those things like sponsorship get short shrifted because we would rather have a good rugby team and raise money internally and do certain things and we'll kind of live hand to mouth. And, and that's, that doesn't mean it's correct. And that doesn't, it just means it's a, it's a, sometimes it's a way to survive and still maintain a level of quality, increasing certain things. And I think that we need to improve our web streaming, but it's great that we have it. And then, we need to get on TV and then we need to try to generate sponsorships, whether local or at least a, a league wide title sponsor. But that I but I do think there have been amazing there's paid coaches in the Super League. I, I think that um, 
DAC are are is, is probably one of the only ones that don't pay anymore. And, you know, maybe maybe there's one or two others, but almost every other club has a, a you know a relatively reasonably well paid professional coaching the team. And these are these are really big strides, I think, and I think that those are really good things. And I'm not saying we're perfect because we're far from it. But you look at what what's happening in college rugby with his paid coaches. You look at what's happening in men's rugby with his paid coaches in Super League rugby, where there are full professional coaches that spend a great deal of time on their clubs and care about the. That's the other thing about the, the, they care about the club as well. And in many cases are an, a very integral part of the club, even though they're an employee of the club. And, you know, Rock, I don't know what you're thinking. Well, I, I mean, I'm not can't predict where the where the league's going to go. I'd, I'd like to see it in, um, you know, from my perspective, the the 12 to 16 team range is kind of ideal to me. Um, I think 18 is a little too much. Unless there was the quality to have 24, but I, I, I even then I, I think that that's a little rough. I, I think the 12 to 16 range is is about ideal. I think from a number, a pure number, yeah, that's a great number. I mean, you can do a lot of things, you know, just about. I mean, with even numbers between 12 and 16, uh, you know, whether it's uh, 12, 14, 16, really, I think you can work pretty well with any of those numbers. Uh, and it's the you're right, it's the quality. Um, and you know that's that's the deal is what what will these teams look at what you know what, where are they going to be able to go and I always just and I lament and and uh, I think Alex has heard this before I know Bruce has um, but it's you know imagine if we had been working together a little bit better with USA Rugby um, you know for years not just the last two or three or anything like that. I mean, we've got some, some good people there. We've got some good relationships with some people. But, you know, as, a, as an organization, having been a little bit more accepted, if, if, you know, maybe the Super League could have been paid a little bit more attention to during this um, high-performance NA4 thing. I mean, you know, with a fraction of the money, how much more good could have been done with, you know, sponsoring and helping out the Super League and also then USA Rugby could have had a little bit more input and a little more influence. They could have had some, and we, and we probably would have paid a little more attention because they would have been making some great contributions at that point. Would we have sponsorship now? Who knows? But, you know, like you say, Bruce, it's baby steps. We're going to have to just keep going uh, in that direction. And we've got a lot of clubs now that are, are doing that, and, and they're improving. I mean, it's uh, – um, um, I mean, it is happening. Uh, there's There's certainly – uh, I, I think most of the clubs in the Super League now are, um, you know, are, are going along those lines with the youth programs, better venues, all that sort of stuff. And I think we're going to see a couple other teams coming back. Um, I mean, I, you know, and I know I've had this discussion with um, some of the guys down at Belmont. And, um, you know, Belmont, I think, got tired of saying, hey, look, all we're able to do is put a very top tier out there and there was a way to do that, but it was not, you know, never looked to them like it was realistic for a long-term thing and that it was going to be relying on one or two people. Now Belmont is going through and, you know, working very hard at their youth program and what they're doing down there. And, I mean, it's it's changing dramatically, and they're doing some wonderful things with youth rugby down there. I don't think it's going to be very long before. Uh, it might be a couple of years. I don't know. I mean, uh, nobody's made a commitment down there yet to, you know, will we come back to the Super League? But, I mean, I think as that as that improves and that happens, 
is just filling out your club. You know, uh, Paul Keeler, um, when we, we had our uh, San Francisco Golden Gate had their Hall of Fame dinner uh, just a few weeks ago, and I thought one of the things that was great that uh, Paul Keeler said was when he got up there is, hey, you know, um, it's wonderful and we're celebrating our, you know, uh, some of our internationals, et cetera. But he said, you know, when you look around, he said, this club is about youth. Um, we, we happen to right now have a successful Super League team. That's going to go up and down over the years. I mean, hopefully we'll always be competitive, but right now we're fortunate. We're riding a little bit of a high. But, you know, one thing that we were pretty confident won't change is that we're going to have a good, strong youth program as far into the future as we can see, and it's, that's what our club is really about. And it just makes the rest of it a lot easier. Um, and um, so, I, you know, uh, completely agree with you, Bruce. I mean, there, there's some strides that are being made there. They're quiet ones, a lot of ones that people don't see. But, um, you know, these are some of the things that we talk about at the Super League meetings and things that we're trying to push. One of the improvements you can see is uh, the website. You no longer have an embarrassing hard-to-look-at website. Um, the new one is up. It looks good. I congratulated Sean Kelly on it when I... Uh... You know what? You know what, Pat? <laughs> it's really good. It's Because it, it, Sean, Sean probably wants to get congratulated about that because there's been other people cursing him out about it because it cost a couple grand to get done. <laughs> well, the reality is, and then I'm not going to go on too much well, of a wait, lecture about it. It's but... the thing about professionalizing. I understand it. I was just saying that from an internal standpoint... Your congratulations is probably music to Sean's ears because not everybody is congratulating. Oh no, he, t- yeah, he, t- he definitely to he pay. told me. <laughs> he told me. He told me. Yes, it's it's hard to convince some people to fork out some cash for that. But now the next thing we got to fix is uh, the URL. Why, why the URL or the the address for the Rugby Super League is Premier Hyphen Rugby. I'll never know. Um, that makes it a little harder to find too. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you because when it was started, it was it was it was the Premier Rugby League. It was USA Premier Rugby for the first year. I still actually I still have a USA Premier Rugby uh, polo shirt somewhere. So, oh, uh, but but that that's one of those things that uh, you got to stick with your, your your name, just like hey, the you, College you, Premier Division. You got to stick with the name. That's right. You get people to hit that website, and you might find some sponsors because. Otherwise, they're sponsoring that jersey for what to get 500 eyeballs sets of eyeballs on a Saturday. You get uh, you get a few thousand sets of eyeballs on that website every Saturday. You might have something more sponsoring. Just just well, uh, in in the meantime, they can go to rugbymag.com and they can get all that stuff. Uh, That's right. Um, and of course, they can. Uh, we'll be right back with Greg Rocker with Rugby Matrix America. Hi, this is Chris St. here from the Penn State University men's rugby team. Um, come out and support the Nittany Lions at the U.S. Sevens Collegiate Rugby Championship in PPL Park on June 2nd and 3rd. If you want to get tickets, go to usa7crc.com or help support the Nittany Lions at rugby.psu.edu and buy your tickets through there. Hope to see you there and go Nittany Lions. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. And we are back on Rugby Matrix America. And we had some very sad news uh, just before uh, we we came on the air. It was uh, the same day. Uh, 
so this morning, that would be uh, March 13th, the morning of March 13th, uh, Jeremy Strange, who was the head coach at the Brownsburg, Indiana uh, high school program, sometimes called Westside, but the Brownsburg program, a very, very good program. They've, they've been to nationals before. They've, uh, they've challenged for Midwest championships, an outstanding program there for both boys and girls. And uh, Jeremy was driving his truck to work uh, on a very foggy morning, and was, his truck was struck by a train, and he died. And uh, we just wanted to express our sympathies uh, to the Brownsburg uh, rugby community and Brownsburg High School and the Strange family. Uh, terrible tragedy, and, and he was an outstanding young man. He was 24 years old, coaching a high school program, and, and by all accounts, uh, very well respected and beloved in that, uh, in that area. And uh, uh, a real tragedy, and um, our sympathies go out to them. And with that, uh, we just remind everybody that, you know, we're all in this together. And uh, whether it's Super League or it's high school, and, and just as Greg said about San Francisco Golden Gate, San Francisco Golden Gate believes themselves to be about youth rugby and then all of that percolating up to uh, the other levels. And, and they've got an outstanding, uh, a very, very outstanding under-19 program. Their Division One team is going well and Super League team is really terrific and they're producing eagles so they're doing it all the way from the beginning and they're producing eagles who played youth rugby for them which is pretty great that's what we're all in this about so we're going to we're going to support the super league we want the super league to succeed uh we'll demand the super league uh answer some questions when the questions are out there but we all know that we are in this together and in this sport together and uh in in the spirit of that greg really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us been a pleasure, Alex. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, Pat. Yes, we all should go out for a hamburger or a cheeseburger soon. It's, uh, Bruce and I, we're not unfamiliar with the uh, cheeseburger. <laughs> Don't Patrick and Alex aren't either. Well, Pat started it, so. <laughs> Pat, I think I, th- I think you you're you're the one buying. That's fine. I think I'm the central location for you guys to meet for a cheeseburger, so right. I'll get you to the best cheeseburger well, in Kansas, you know, Kansas City. No problem. Kansas City would be. Let's make sure you get us a big old steer that they get and make mine nice and rare, buddy. All right. Well, with that, I uh, hope you all are enjoying your cheeseburgers at home. Uh, thanks, Greg. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Bruce. And this is Alex Gall from RugbyMag.com saying thanks for listening to Rugamatrix America. Matrix America.